All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Head on Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation presented by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. We are fresh off of a pack opening as well. We just did that live on Twitter and we got a Hughes card. 
Hughes Hunting, it always works, man. It always works when you order from Zephyr Epic. Be sure to use our promo code HockeySeason, all one word. That'll get you $5 off of your order and free shipping all across Canada, all the way to Newfoundland and back. My name is Chris Faber, and joining me now is my co-host, David Quadrelli. Quads, it's good to have you back at 100%. You're saying you're chewing with both sides of your mouth now after the yes. Wilson 2 surgery. You've made a full recovery. You're eating McDoubles again. Eating McDoubles. Nature life, is healing. Life is back to normal, and summer's here. And with that, we're not sponsored by McDonald's or anything, but Dollar Drinks are back. They are. Pretty uh, pretty good feeling there about Dollar Drinks being back. That's, uh, that's a go-to for sure. I got a nice coffee right here. Two bucks. Yeah, I went I with hate. a chocolate shake today, which you was did. a bold decision, I must say, because... Listen, I didn't want anything. We got to the drive-thru, and you were like, you want anything? And I started at, oh, I'll just get a milkshake. Then I was like, you know what? Get me small fries. And then you were like, oh, well, if you're getting that, just get a McDouble meal. I'm just going to get you a McDouble meal. I was like, uh, okay, fine. I ate all of that, and I had just eaten lunch, like, right before we got there. <laughs> that was a, that was a bold decision, and we I just finished it. Like, I literally just finished eating it, and now we're recording, so... We'll see uh, how I progress here, how my condition progresses as we record. Yeah, I think a lot of people know about the McDonald's burps, specifically McDoubles. You know, like you get, you know what a McDouble burp is. You know oh, what I'm talking I know. about. I know. Yeah. So we just we just had a couple McDoubles ourselves. But actually, now that we're on the topic of food, we'll, we'll get to hockey talking a bit, and I'll tell I'll tell you who our guest is in a minute. You probably see it from the episode title, anyways. But I was thinking this question the other day, as I, I like last night, I was making spaghetti, and you know, I just used the no name superstore pasta. But I was wondering, like, growing up in an Italian household, do you guys have, like, a brand of pasta that you use all the time? Because it's not fresh all the time, Barilla. like a lot of people think. Barilla. That's Barilla? That's yeah. the one? Because I thought that was, like, pretty basic. Barilla. Yeah, That's no, it's good. It's it's really good. It's it's a, it's a good brand. It's It gets the job done. That's huh. that's what we have. I, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's the one that they always go to. Uh, it is not always homemade, contrary to popular belief. It's, it's a grind to make pasta. Have you ever made pasta? Like, yes, I have. Yeah, it's it's a grind, man. Yeah, well, you need a lot of like you need a lot of attachments on stuff to really. You need make a pasta, lot of right? space That's to do it too. right. You need a lot of space. It is, but it's rewarding. Simple. It's rewarding. Very simple ingredients, though. Like it's a very simple thing to do. But yeah, I think that you need like a lot of you know kitchen utensils to to actually make pasta, especially if you're making like spaghetti or fettuccine or something like. Mamma mia! Yeah, exactly. But yeah, what did you? It's barilla, barilla. That's how you say it. Barilla. That's yeah. what I say. Barilla. Like yeah. a gorilla. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's, that's that's why you can tell that it's, it's a little off there. But we, uh, we'll we get into some hockey talk here. We, we do have some Canucks things to talk about for sure. And we are joined by a Canucks prospect as well. Carson Folk of the Utica Comets last season. Now the Abbotsford, hopefully Aces. Aces, yep. Uh, he's going to join us for a 23-minute conversation where you know we talk about a variety of things from his off-season golf habits, which he just picked up golf. So he's pretty new into the game, really. which I, I find so interesting because like I've played golf for a long time. I've told you this, that like I've played since I was, I don't know, six years old, seven years old. Like my parents had me playing golf very early uh, and, and just getting decent at it. Like, you know, my pitch and putt game, it's it's strong, uh, especially the putting. Uh, but he just started. And I was thinking like he doesn't have time to have bad habits, right? Like I think over the years of golf, like the more and more you play, the more bad habits you can develop if you don't correct them. So I was thinking, I was like, I wonder what it would be like to just like pick up golf at the age of like yeah. 21 yeah, and be just like hop an, in. Yeah, be like an open book. But the thing is, and as somebody who played baseball like from a very young age and then went to golf, mm. you bring a lot of those bad habits with you, man. Like I used to leg kick when I was playing golf yep, and I totally. still do sometimes. You need a little extra cheese on it. <laughs> 
little extra mustard. I, I give it the old Jose Bautista leg kick. Yeah, the uh, you know? the old pitch and putt course when you get the 110, yes. 110 yard hole. Yes, exactly. You, you take, gotta light it you, up. You leg kick and you smoke it as hard as you can. I think that's a problem with people who played baseball. And actually, Carson talks about that in the interview. Um, about how just kind of like the swing in hockey and the swing in baseball creates a slice in golf. And yes. That is so true. I slice so hard. I, I had to work so hard to correct my slice in golf, and I still haven't. Like, I still still slice it every once in oh, a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Have you seen these cheat balls that go straight and, like, fix your slice? Shut up. They have those? Yeah. So I've, oh, I've been thinking about getting one because, like, it looks just it's, – it's just a golf ball, right? There's nothing, like, special about it. The dimples in it are a little bit different and makes it illegal – like if you're out with you know out with your boys on the weekend, not if I'm one of your boys. If you're if you come to a golf course <laughs> and you have a ball that automatically goes straight, and I'm not using that ball as well, then it's a problem. But you'll never know. I, You've never seen me drive before either, so maybe my drive. If you straight. hit if you hit straight like every time after the third hole, I'm gonna start saying, okay, what's going on here? If Something's you're at like wrong. a golf tournament though, and you're like crushing beers and you know like doing that, I feel like that's that's a spot where you want to have the ball. Oh, I don't know. Unless we're on a team. If if you and I are the only ones that know, we probably shouldn't say this on a public podcast because we're going to enter a golf tournament as kind of conversation. Yep. And then uh, we're going to immediately get disqualified because someone's going to pull up this audio. <laughs> I think 2022, we're going to try and get into uh, Zach McEwen's foundation, Ooh, uh, their there tournament. We We've talked about it. And I want to get over to the Maritimes anyways. I feel really? like the dates might line up. Yeah. Okay. So, why? Why do you want to get over to the Maritimes exactly? Well, the girlfriend's from. Oh from, yes, uh, New Brunswick. Okay. So. I was like, what, what's out there that you so badly want to see? Well, I mean, it's a nice place from what it I is. hear. It, absolutely, but of all the places you'd want to travel, I just I I was thinking there had to be something significant right. for you to want to be there, and of yeah. course there is. But there yeah. is. I think that I've also like I don't think I've ever seen or been to the Atlantic Ocean, but the rumors oh, that I've either, heard. Yeah. It's a little stinkier than the Pacific Ocean. Makes sense. Checks out. Closer checks, to Boston. That's what I think. I, I've heard a rumor, and I'm fully invested into that rumor, yeah. that the Pacific Ocean smells better. Yeah, I, I, I believe that. But also, like, I don't know, Vancouver, some of those waters. I don't I don't get how people swim in some of those waters. Yeah. Like, you, ever been pretty... to, you ever been to Barnett, Barnett Marine Park? No. It's, a, it's on Barnett Drive, so, okay. like, Port Moody, Burnaby. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, Pretty pretty muddy waters, I must say. If if I understand this correctly, it was because like people were living on houseboats and just dumping the crap from the houseboats into the water, right? Like that's what I heard is why really? the water is so stinky. Plus, you have all the like the big boats coming through that I'm sure are just you know leaking oil or whatever the hell. There's got to be there. yeah. There's got to be a a multitude of stuff to make it like that, right? But like growing up in Nanaimo. All the ocean was like beautiful. And like now looking at it here, it's like there's a different color to the water for sure. Really? Yeah. And Interesting. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I I talk about it every week, but I can't wait to get back to the island here. Yeah. Get in the ocean, get in the rivers. It's going to be a good time. But um, what, why don't we get to some Canucks news? Um, obviously, I mean, since we've recorded our last episode, it, it happened during the second half of last episode. We found out the Canucks were picking ninth. And I think a lot of the responses that we saw on Twitter, people tagging us in Twitter this week, you wrote an article about it. Who are some realistic options that we think would be the best fit for the Vancouver Canucks? So I'll, I'll let you start uh, with just like you come out of the draft on July 23rd. The Canucks now have the rights to this player. What's the home run for you that's realistically possible? I think Mason McTavish, just from what I'm hearing in terms of him being available 
and it being a big upside pick. Now, the home run is Brant Clark. Yes. I don't think he's there. I, I, I think there's no... Well, there's a chance, but I, I think it is very highly unlikely that Brant Clark falls to nine, but... A lot of people said the same thing about Quinn Hughes. Noah Dobson, right? Like Noah Dobson was selected outside of the top 10 because the draft order got screwed up, right? Like who's going to be this year's Barrett Hayton, right? You never know if someone's going to get selected way higher than they should because that'll have a trickle-down effect. Now, other than Brant Clark and Mason McTavish, I think Kent Johnson's going to be there at 10, or sorry, at 9, and I think he's going to be a decent selection at 9. I I think he's going to be a good player again. Like I said, saw him play at the Trail Smoke Eaters, but again, I'm not sure if you have Mason McTavish and Brant Clark available to you, it's Brant Clark for sure. And then I think Kent Johnson's the third out of those guys. Yeah, I mentioned like what what is the home run pick? And it feels like McTavish is the home run pick, yeah. but like you said, like the grand slam pick is Brant Clark, obviously. Yeah. And I do agree with you. I think that there's this there's a chance he gets there. Right? Like I think if Wallstead ends up going before in the first eight picks, which is possible. Like, a lot of people are very high on this goaltender. And I know that even you, who's an absolute goaltender freak, you know, save that for the other podcast that you're on. I don't want any of that here. But, like, Wallstead, there's a lot of potential that's got to be a number one moving forward. And in a similar way, too, I think that when Spencer Knight was drafted so high, was it 11th, I believe he went, or 16th to the to the Panthers? Thought he, he was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so around there, like, that was still a pretty high pick. I think that the success that we've seen quickly now with Knight and how quickly he's transitioned to the NHL is another boost for Wallstead. And a lot of people are very high on him. I, I agree with a lot of what these people are saying, what the scouts are saying about him. And I think that's the cur- That's the big curveball for me in the eight picks prior to when the Canucks select. Yes. Okay. A couple things. First of all, when you say grand slam pick, I just got an idea and we need to talk to the Canucks, uh, Socials team, because you know how they have gifts of players doing different stuff? Like they have uh, Bo Horvat shaking the goal light or PD right. like dabbing and all this other stuff. They got to get Jim in there. Like you you need to start getting some gifts of like Jim doing a mic drop, wow. doing like a bat flip for when they pick Brant Clark at nine. You just drop those on everybody. They would just blow up the internet. If they had Jim in a suit doing like a mic drop or a bat flip. And it's like the Vancouver Canucks select Brant Clark, number nine bat flip from Jim. Wow. That would be, yeah, that would be something. Right? I, think, I think that that's like, it's funny. Cause like imagine them recording and it's like Horvat, <laughs> like celebrating the goal or they do like the happy birthday. So they're blowing out the, the yeah, candles yeah, or yeah. whatever. And then, yeah, I just feel like a Jim Benning gif wouldn't fit great on Canucks Twitter. I think that that's like a oh, that's like an Aquilini tweet. Like whatever. Those type of you, you know what? Those responses will just get drowned out by all the people realizing how how much of an epic moment in history that would be. It would be. Like, it really think would. about that. Just Jim in a suit, just you know, stone cold, stone faced, does a bat flip, and it's over. He just walks out of the shot. Even like <laughs> that's the coolest, coolest gift that could ever be. They on don't Twitter. have to do a gift. They could do the video because they already have audio of Jim Benning. We say, well, that's a home run, right? <laughs> like when he, when he said that at the draft floor, they have the audio of that already. They just oh need the video gosh. on top of it. Yes. We yes. can probably make that. If we, we can find the right video of Jim Benning and quickly edit the audio onto there. I mean, that's a home run for us too. That's it's a home run for them. A home it's a home run, run for us. But I, home. Uh, sorry. I, I will go back to your point. Yes. yes. For Wall said, uh, okay. 
great goaltender. Have started to watch some video on him. I'm still doing that thing where I watch the late round guys, figure out which one of them Ian Clark is going to be really high on, and then try and guess like I did last year. Successfully with uh, Joel Blomquist. I might uh, might have pumped my tires once again, but... Uh, yeah, this is the 15th week in a row where yes. you brought up Joel Blomquist, who has nothing to do with the Vancouver Canucks, nope. really. Pittsburgh Penguins draft pick, taken in the second round. If he was there in the third round... My understanding is that the Canucks would have selected him over Yanni Yermo. Uh, which yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's that's, talk about Walstead. That's a smart pick. That's a smart pick. <laughs> Blomquist over Yermo, that's a smart pick. Um, yeah, Walstead. Okay, first of all, I think you're very right and that somebody could select him in the top eight. I am very much so against the Canucks selecting him at nine. And yeah. I know they are taking the best player available. I get that. And he very well could be the best player available. I don't think that should apply to the Canucks. I don't think that it should apply to Wallstead for the Canucks because the Canucks have a guy named Ian Clark under contract. Now, the Clark deal isn't done yet. That's our understanding of the situation. And, you know, they're, they're going to continue to work on it. But he's already done all of the draft prep. Like, they have reports from Ian Clark about which goaltenders are the ones to draft. We've talked extensively about Clark's work in Columbus how they're still reaping the benefits to this day of his knowledge going into the draft and identifying good talent in the later rounds. I'm thinking the Canucks select a goaltender in this draft. Remember, they didn't last year, but they don't do it until after the third round. And I think that's the smart move. Because again, you look at these guys like Merzlikens and all the other prospects that are in Columbus, right? All selected beyond the third round. That's where you do your damage when you have Ian Clark on your staff. Even second, even the second round, I like that more. Like, think about that. That's where you got Thatcher Demko. That's where you got Mikey DiPietro. You don't need to go for the big fish. That's, that. honestly, that's my, like, my belief with goaltending is that you don't need to go after that big fish unless it's a generational talent. And I'm sorry, Askarov, Spencer Knight, even Wallstead, none of them are generational talents. Like, yeah. none of them are Marc-Andre Fleury or Carey Price. I'll, I'll go out and say that. And those are two guys that got selected in, I think, the top five of their draft classes. Right. And I think that that's... I mean, the Canucks even exploring that option the first three rounds to me is a mistake. I think that you look at their pipeline and you have... You know, you have a decent amount of guys um, that are in the goaltending pipeline for sure. I mean, with Seelovs and, and DiPietro, those are the next two that are going to be coming up. But man... Whoever they pick with this first pick is immediately their best prospect, right? Like, there's not a yes. there's not a Vasily Pod Colson, even the Rathbone. Like, whoever they select now, it immediately becomes their best prospect in the pipeline. And it wouldn't shock me at all to see that the guy that they select in the second round would be their second best prospect. Because right now, let's let's take you know take Rathbone, take Pod Colson, take Hoglander out. Yep, that was our one, two, three for Canucks Army earlier yep. this year. Who's next, right? Like, is it is it Jet Wu? Is it Jonah Gadjevich? Absolutely, yeah. Is it yeah, Cole right. Lind? It's a, it's a crapshoot. Like, people... I think people understand this, but a lot of people say, like, oh, we've got such a good prospect cover. we got Brogan Rafferty, and they're listing off all these names of guys that you don't know are going to make the NHL. And even Jonah Gadjevich, Cole Lind, like, there's no guarantee those guys are ever going to be more than fourth-line players, right? Right. And... That's what you're looking at with the pipeline right now. Like, Yanni Yermo, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I think his name's Shane Malone. Yeah. Or, yeah, Shane Malone. He went on Donnie and Dolly, the team on check, this morning. And he said he doesn't think Yanni Yermo is going to be an NHL player. That's a pretty bold take to have. But he knows what he's talking about, right? And honestly, I haven't watched a lot of Yanni Yermo. But, like, he can skate. 
That's what I know. I've heard that Yanni Yermo can skate, but they, it is very possible that they come out of next year and, and I get it. They come out of next year, not having any NHL players to show for it. Like that's, that's a tough look, but man, like I guess it can be expected when you don't have your first or second round pick. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's that's a tough one to look at. I think that there are some of the late rounds they hit on. I mean, Victor Pearson coming to the WHL. We'll get to him a little bit later because I think that's some prospect news to get into. But what I, I want to get back to what the pipeline looks like right now. I think you can make a serious argument that two of the Canucks' top five prospects right now before the draft are goaltenders. Archer Silos and Mikey DiPietro are probably in the Canucks' top five yes, right now. Which I... Is, why I would stay away from a goaltender until the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. I don't think you need to go for that at all because I think that not only is the fact that you have two goaltenders that are pretty promising, Mikey probably a little bit higher than CeeLo's right now, but it's going to be interesting to watch them play together in the AHL, but you need to fill a lot of other positions. You know, you need to get a center. You need to get some defensemen. You really need to start to fill out this team so that we do see an influx of prospects coming into Abbotsford, if not the NHL, within the next two years because they're just, it doesn't feel like a lot right now. I agree with you. Obviously, Carol Plastic is going to come and play in the AHL team. I think that after Pearson's year in the WHL, his interest from what he told me is that he wants to stay and he wants to go to the AHL and work his way to the NHL. Dmitry Zlodiev is in a very similar spot where he's going to play out his contract in Russia and then wants to get to North America. That's his dream. I think that we're a year away because we're not getting many guys coming over this year to play for Abbotsford. They have a lot of roster filling to do for that AHL team, and it's not coming from their prospects this year. Yeah, wow. Okay, you know what? You bringing that up, actually, like it it makes sense. I I, I totally understand what you're saying, but all I'm saying is if the Canucks are going to select a goaltender, it needs to be after the third round. Like, there's no point selecting a guy. But, like, I, I get what you're saying in terms of, like, four, five, six, seven, but I also... I wouldn't mind them taking a flyer on a goalie in the third round. Like that, there's a lot of value in taking a goalie in the third round. I mean, if you have Ian Clark's stamp of 100% approval, yeah, exactly. Yes, which but, they will. Like any yeah. goaltender that they pick, well, unless you know, we'll report if there's uh, some situation where somehow uh, Clark gets backstabbed and they just go against them. But you know, you don't need to look far, and we all know that Jim and the hockey ops department all really respects the work Ian does and definitely relies on him for. Uh, goaltending knowledge as they should. Um, so, so yeah, any goaltender they select, you assume that it's going to be from Ian, and that's that's the case with uh, Archer Silovs. And the thing I want to touch on with him is, yeah, I get he's probably in the top five, but that's less of a oh look how good Silovs is as it much of it is like holy crap, the Canucks have no prospects. That's like, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying like though having two goaltenders in your top five or a lot of people's great, you know, it's like, great. We have some future, like some future goaltenders that could potentially play in the NHL, but it's kind of because, you know, in that top five, you have like, to me, just rounding it out quickly, thinking about it, like Aiden McDonough's around that mark, but he's kind of in a similar spot to Silos for me. Yeah. Cole Lynn's pretty high up there. Uh, Jet Wu's pretty high up there. Jonah Gadjevich, I think is still pretty high up there. That's why I really think that the first two picks that the Canucks are going to have, two players selected in the top 50 of this upcoming draft, I would not be shocked at all to have them be the number one and two prospects, even ahead of Mikey DiPietro. Because right now, your number one prospect in the whole Canucks pipeline is probably Mikey DiPietro. Unless you consider Jack Rathbone still in there, but we... I think we have a good feeling that he's going to start in the NHL. He's, so it's, NHL player. he's definitely a prospect still, but to actually like put together these lists of guys that are, are going to be outside of the NHL next year, 
I think Mikey's number one right now yeah, on the team. Yes, absolutely. No question. No question. Um, and he's got a big season ahead of him, right? And the thing that, that I want to say about selecting a goaltender, right, is as soon as you select a, that goaltender in, say, the third, fourth round, he's ahead of Seelovs on the prospect chart, right? Like, he becomes a higher-rated prospect. And all of a sudden, you know, you consider you're taking a guy in the first, second round, like you said, and they're probably going to be your number one, two prospects. All of a sudden, Mikey DiPietro is closer to 3-5 on your prospect chart. And that's a good good problem to have, right? And you've got that goaltender that they would select right behind Mikey, likely. And again, when you look at how good the Canucks have been at developing their goaltenders under Ian Clark and with Curtis Sanford, who does a great job with the minor league team and as a goaltending consultant for Ian... I think you have to. You you they not only do they need to take a goaltender, they would be it, it would shock me if they wait till the sixth or seventh round to take a goaltender. I'll just say that. I think it's gonna be in between rounds three and five, and I don't I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Because again, yeah. you look at the value there, you look at the goalies that Ian's found in the three five range, like that's where Ian does his best work. Yeah, I think what you're kind of saying is like you need to give some ammo for Ian Clark to develop, right? Yeah. It's like when we're playing Warzone and I give you some sniper ammo. Yes, you exactly. Know. Just like you know, that. I got to give got to give the sniper some ammo. I think that's the thing that you got to do with Ian Clark and seeing who he can develop as a goaltender and someone that he likes. And I, I do see that happening. I see them drafting a goaltender again this year. I believe last year was the only draft where Ian Clark's been part of the Canucks organization, at least in this most recent part of him being part of the organization where they didn't draft a goaltender. And I think a lot of that has to come from not having a first and second round pick. So I think this year he gets a goalie. He gets another guy to work with. He gets another guy to to really, you know, bring his type of coaching to. And, and yeah, that wouldn't shock me at all. So we'll we'll go back to a little we've definitely went off the uh, off topic there, but another couple players that are options there. Fabian Lucell is another one. We we've talked about him a lot. He's been on the show. Another very intriguing player and it feels like the Vancouver Canucks just the way that they've drafted and scouted that the Swedish scouts in the Canucks organization have a strong voice, right? And, you know, to even to add to that, if you think about what Ryan Beach was doing before he even joined the Canucks, he's like Ryan Beach has a good hold on the SHL and Swedish prospects. I'm curious to see what his, like what his ideas are on, you know, a Fabian Lucell compared to a guy that's playing in the NCAA like Kent Johnson, because Lucell did some, some, great things in the SHL made a couple of really nice plays played for, you know, played at the U 18s looked awesome at the U 18s. Ken Johnson. There's a lot to like from what he did in the BCHL. But to me, from the games that I watched in the NCAA, there was only like a shift or two, a game that really made me say like, Oh, I see why he's a top 10 pick, right? Mm. Like there would be a lot of shifts where you just, wasn't as active, wasn't driving play like some other players were. Like when you watched that team play, you like when you watch Michigan play, you saw Owen Power, the dude played like 30 minutes a game. It felt like it really felt like he wasn't coming off the ice because I was watching Michigan to watch Jacob Truscott hmm. and he's a left shot D who was their third pairing guy. When Owen Power is playing 25 plus minutes a night, you're not getting a lot of Truscott. So unfortunately I didn't get to watch a lot of him, but I got to see a lot of power, Beniers, and Johnson, and I think Beneers drove play a lot better on that group out of those three guys. I just think that there is a lot to like from Kent Johnson when he when he's playing against, I guess, players where he is faster than them and when he is somewhat as strong as them because he's not going to be a strong guy at the NHL. 
but he's going to be a quick player. And I think that the interesting thing for him is that there's a lot of development to go for Kent Johnson. For him to be able to be the type of player that he was in the BCHL, the type of player that he was at times in the NCAA, for him to be that type of player in the NHL, I just I think that there's a lot of development to go from him, and that's a risk that I think that the Canucks are interested in taking because if he does develop a little bit more, you're getting a very exciting play driver who likely plays on the wing but potentially plays a center. But I just think in the end, there's a lot of these other players where it's kind of like you know what you're getting kind of thing. Like some of these other players like Mason McTavish, I think you know what you're getting. I think you know what you're getting with all the top four defensemen here. And I think you know what you're getting with the Matty Beniers and even a Fabian Lucell. Like they've showed enough to see what you're going to get. To me, Kent Johnson, love it. Local kid. That's a great move for the Canucks. I think in the end, it's good for the PR. It's going to be nice to have him around here. He obviously grew up a Canucks fan. Talked to him on the show a few weeks ago, but He's kind of the, I don't want to compare him to Elias Pettersson, even though I've seen that out there, that the comparison for him by some scouts is Elias Pettersson. I think he's in a spot where he hasn't proved enough at the NCAA to be a top three pick, but he might be a top three talent in this draft. Interesting. That That is very interesting. What is it that you want to see him improve on the most? Like what's holding him back from being an NHL player right now? I think the thing that I didn't like from his play at Michigan was that he wasn't an absolute star. Like, he wasn't a star yet. Like, I he think, was in the BCHL. Like, in yeah. the BCHL is a good example of him showing that he can be a star. But there's that's a big step from the BCHL to the NCAA. Yeah, and that step was, I don't want to say a struggle for him, because he did have some success. But it wasn't the level of being a star and being the best player on your team. Like, that didn't happen. It did, didn't happen with Owen Power and Matt Beneers, he wasn't even the best freshman, right? Like, he was the third best freshman on that team, and Michigan has a lot of good players as well. Heck, they're going to get Luke Hughes next year as well. So, I mean, I, I just think that the part of his game that I want to see develop is that it's not like confidence, but it sort of is. Like, it, it's sort of about him being confident enough to try and be the star. And I don't think you saw that this year in the games that he was. Like, he had games where he put up points, but it just didn't feel like he was the star, even of his line, really. And that's the thing that I think is going to make him a good NHL player is if he's relied on to be the guy scoring the goals and be the guy using his speed, getting the two on ones, maybe even being the guy who's like leaving the zone the the earliest to go out and get these two on one opportunities. And I just, I think that he's got some more developing to do and that if he develops and he does become the player that his high ceiling is, I really think he could be a star. But the problem is if he doesn't develop, I think he still contributes at the NHL, but it's going to be interesting to see where he fits because he's not a big body. He's not really like a great defender. So where does he fit into a bottom six? Like, is he, you don't want to say that he's like a Nikolai Goldobin type, like, right. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's tough for me to say, but that's like Nikolai Goldobin couldn't find a spot in a bottom six. But if he was able to play in a top six and create offense, it's there. I just think that there's development to go for Ken Johnson. And I think it's a it's a good pick if he's the one that's there. You know, if McTavish and, and all these guys are gone that we would like to see, I'm fine there. And I think the Canucks are getting a player in the end. They're going to get a player that's going to help them in a couple of years. And Ken Johnson's got a very high ceiling, but I think his floor is also pretty low too. It's all about what he's going to develop in the next couple of years before he gets to the NHL. We should cut to break, but on the other side, because I'll save this for after the break, but I want to get your thoughts on the possibility of moving the first-round pick this year because that's something that's been floated out there. 
And Jim, rightfully so, he shouldn't. He he answered it correctly. He was asked, and he said, "I can't answer that right now. It has to be the right offer." So I want to get your thoughts on that. But yeah, sure. let's cut to break. Before we do, we're about to throw to ads, and then we'll throw to our interview. But we're gonna just do a live ad here because you and I, uh, we yes. mentioned a new sponsor. Yes. We mentioned a new sponsor. Squish is on board, and they gave us some to try. And oh my! Okay, let's start with you because you're not a big drinker. You you don't like beer. You don't like a lot of strong drinks, but. You were you were tweeting about it. You it had was. the uh, you had the squish lemonade. Give your thoughts, quads, because you're not a big drinker. But you, uh, I think you found one here. I'm not going to name any other hard seltzers, but there is a very popular one that I used to drink. Uh, longtime fans of this show will remember. I texted Chris while I was on vacation and said, "Yeah, I'm going to the beach. We're going drinking," and I packed one of these with me uh, to go <laughs> to the beach uh, and drink. So I drank one of those, and I had the squish now. And that was the lemon flavor that I had. And holy smokes, it was so much better. Like, honestly, I can't even, it's hard to even put into words how much better it was than the other brand I'm referring to that I used to have. Uh, It it was very good. Like, Mm. Squish is very, very solid. Okay, like, the thing is, is it wasn't like you're drinking like sparkling water. It was like you're drinking lemonade that has some bubbles in it. Like that's what it was closer to. You know what the thing about Squish is? And like I, I have even like I've slowed down in my drinking quite a bit, but I had about four of them the other day to try each of the flavors because we got the lemonade one. You had the original lemonade. I had uh, my favorite was the pineapple lemonade. And that's mm. the thing about Squish. It's not technically a low calorie drink. It's like 120 calories, but this is the type of drink that yeah. You know, you bring to the beach and you bring a 12 pack and you drink them like they're they're not like heavy, but they're also not the light drinks that have no flavor. You know, yeah. like they're not missing flavor. They have flavor. So I, I don't know. I, I uh, I'm excited to try the other ones. We'll give another live ad read on the show uh, next week because I got the original squish because we had the lemonade, right? Like you had the um, you had the original lemonade. I had the cherry lemonade. I had the pineapple lemonade, pineapple lemonade and the oh, I forget the last one. Uh, passion fruit lemonade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were all good. Like, all some flavor to them. That's the thing that I hate about the hard seltzers is some of them just don't have a flavor on them. Yeah, exactly. You know, like Not the enough. ones that you talked about earlier or didn't mention, but Squish. And they're big in Kelowna last year, apparently. They're just kind of getting into the Vancouver market now. So, folks, go and try some Squish if you want. Uh, you know, they support us, and we appreciate you supporting them as well. So we'll throw to our ads now. On the other side of the ads, we are joined by Canucks prospect Carson Folk. And we actually start the conversation talking about people screwing up the pronunciation of folk. So we'll get to our commercials now, and then we'll see you guys on the other side when I'm interviewing Carson Folk. All right. You guys all know about Parallel 49 Beer from our commercials here on the show. And now we have a new announcement. Hello, Peach Bod. That's right. It's not all about the Beach Bod this summer. It's all about the Peach Bod this summer. This one's an interesting one, folks. A sparkling peach ale. So you're getting a beer with peach flavor on it, but it's also high in carbonation. It's definitely a different one, and I highly recommend going out there and giving it a try if you're into a peach-flavored beer. And that's something, you know, I'm pretty damn into. i got to get out and try it myself pretty soon here. I will report back on the show about this. Uh, so go out there and try the Peach Bod for yourself from Parallel 49 Beer. Check them out on Instagram, at Parallel 49, as in the numbers, and then beer, that's Parallel 49 Beer. And be sure to check out their website for more information about how you can get beer through Uber Eats. That's right, through those food delivery apps. Uber Eats, you can get your delivery from Parallel 49 Beer be sure to check out their website, parallel49brewing.com. 
That's parallel, the numbers 49brewing.com. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. All right, folks, joining us now, 2019 fifth-round pick of the Vancouver Canucks, and just coming off of his first pro season with the Utica Comets, which we will be talking about moving to Abbotsford, I'm sure, at some point in this conversation. It's Carson Folk. Carson, how are you doing today? Good. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing great, man. Uh, the funny thing that I kind of want to start with is your last name. Uh, a lot of people have messed it up uh, and gone with fuck <laughs> or fucked. Uh, how, how often have you kind of heard that throughout your years of playing hockey? Um, yeah, I guess I've heard it uh, a couple times for sure, and definitely being in a more broader stage, I guess it's uh, more common, but yeah, it's definitely pronounced folk. Um, yeah, I'll just clear that up. <laughs> That's good. I'm sure that some people might have gotten in trouble like saying your name on air or something like that in the past. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, so you, you're coming off of your, your rookie season in professional hockey. Um, a lot of players that come out of junior talk about that being such a difficult jump, but it felt like really from like the first week of you playing, you felt, I mean, you looked pretty comfortable in the AHL. Uh, did it kind of surprise you how, how much kind of easier that transition was compared to what you've seen a lot of players go through in the past? Yeah, I don't know if it was a surprise, but um, the long off season probably definitely helped. Um, guess it has had its pros and cons but uh spent a lot of time in the gym a lot of time working on my game so when it came time to play you know I was just really happy to be back playing again after that long time and a lot of uncertainty throughout the off season so yeah it was really fun to be back playing being back with a team environment was great all the guys were great there and they made the they made the transition really easy for me especially the older guys kind of welcoming us new guys in was was really great and seamless and yeah, I think that all kind of added into just feeling comfortable in the environment. And it, it just kind of felt like from game one, you were you were not going to be shy about shooting the puck, and and that's something you obviously did in junior. But I feel like that's the that's one of the things that maybe isn't there for players when they get to to pro hockey is just having the confidence to just take a ton of shots. Uh, has that just kind of always been your game? Like you were firing at will pretty much in Utica. Yeah, um, shooting the puck is definitely part of my game. You know, I'm always working on different ways to get the puck off quicker uh change the angle and stuff and something i'm still working on obviously and i obviously still will be working on many years from now but yeah i think confidence is a huge thing coming into coming into a new league especially just um kind of putting all those fears and doubts out of your mind and just trying to play your game uh do what you're good at um yeah definitely had some ups and downs in the season for sure but uh yeah confidence is a huge thing and something i'm always trying to work on and did it feel a little bit different this year? Like, I guess you weren't there before. You don't really know what it was like in the past. But having, like, a taxi squad and having every single NHL team kind of have five extra players, do you think that kind of helped some of the young guys like yourself and, and Will and Jack and, and Jet? Like, all you guys that came in for your first year, did it kind of help knowing that there was, you know, kind of five players kind of taken away from AHL teams? Like, did you guys kind of notice that? Because at the same time, like, a lot of people are saying that the AHL is a little bit more watered down this past year, but... Like you guys still had the the leading score from the AHL last year playing for you guys. Still a lot of AHL veterans. Did you feel that the league was watered down at all? Because I know a lot of people have mentioned that. 
Yeah, um, I'm not too sure. I think the league was obviously competitive, and every guy out there is competing to get better and competing every night. Um, so, yeah, definitely, I don't know about uh, the league being watered down. I know some other guys maybe got some opportunities to play. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think it was still, I think every game was still really competitive and every every team wanted to win regardless. So, yeah, I think uh, I think it was a good uh, good stepping stone to kind of feel out that pro environment. But, yeah, I'm not too sure about uh, the watering down. Maybe could have played a factor. I'm not too sure. And, I mean, you come into this year and make that jump to professional hockey. And a lot of people talk about it. I mean, you're playing with guys that are U21 players uh, in the in the CHL and for yourself in the WHL. But, like, going up against men, like, was that kind of like a shock to see how much stronger these guys were than playing against junior players? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely something you got to be co- cognizant of. Um, you know, winning battles is just that much more important and that much harder that you got to focus on. Um, being in the corners and stuff um yeah it's definitely it's definitely an adjustment but not something uh too outlandish i'd say you know um whl is obviously a great league but yeah coming in to play against men is uh it's just a little bit different um but it's just something you gotta adjust to and whether that's just building up a a bit more strength for me in the gym and whatnot it's just uh, it's a challenge i look forward to though and you, you kind of started the season playing alongside Jonah and Will. Uh, that line was just a hell of a lot of fun, uh, hoping that we get to see a little bit more of that line in Abbotsford next year. Uh, how, how was it for you guys just seeing the chemistry click between you? And obviously Jonah had the ridiculous amount of goals. Was it was it kind of just like fun for you guys to be able to put that much offense together as a line that really came from you know different parts of the world? I mean, you got Jonah from the OHL, you got Will from the NCAA, and yourself from the WHL, but like it felt like there was some instant chemistry between you three. Yeah, um, Jonah and Will are obviously great players. They bring a lot of different, uh, a lot of different things to the table. And I think uh, when we did play as a line, I think we did have some chemistry and we clicked pretty well. Um, yeah, all being Vancouver prospects too on a split team, uh, we we kind of knew each other through, through some camps, but not too well. But yeah, it was great to kind of build up some friendships with those guys. And um, yeah, I'm excited to play with them moving forward. Are you guys just like laughing sometimes seeing how many goals were going in for Jonah earlier in the year? And I mean, throughout the whole season, really, but like he was scoring at just a ridiculous pace this year. Yeah, Jonah had a great season. Um, yeah, it seemed like everything he touched went in the net. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely got that. He's definitely got that ability, that touch around the net. Um, but, you know, he also works for those goals, too. You know, he goes to the hard areas that, uh, that it takes to score at the pro level. And, you know, just seeing that kind of shows things in maybe what I got to do to get more goals in the league. So it was definitely great to, to watch what kind of season he had and to be a part of it. And I'm watching your first goal right now, your first professional goal, February 13th against the Devils. And I'm watching Jonah pull the puck out of the net to give it to you. Do you know where that puck is right now? Um, yeah. Yeah, I brought it home. It's, uh, I think it's on my counter somewhere in my basement. But, yeah, it's definitely – that was definitely a special moment. Uh, great pass by Sam Annis out of the corner. Yeah. It's probably the biggest part of that goal, so, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, the move to the backhand's not bad for yourself either. you got to give yourself some props here. And, I mean, what does it feel like to do that? Like, to have, you know, you scored a lot of goals in the WHL. Scoring goals isn't something new for you. But to do it at the pro level, like, you know, you kind of just look back at that moment as one of, like, the big steps in your career, just being able to score a pro goal. Yeah, no, it was definitely very special. It's something I, I was really going for. I know I had a couple looks in the first two games, and I was – I was really kind of pushing for that for that goal in the third game, but uh, 
yeah, no, it was just a great pass by Sam, and I was just lucky enough to finish it off. And something else where you played with Sam with some time on the power play as well, uh, hopping right into that, is that one of the spots where you want to kind of really take a bigger step next year? Because like we talked about earlier, you fire a ton of shots. You like to create a lot of offense. It just feels like your lines at five on five just seem to funnel pucks towards the net. Um, is the power play somewhere where you want to step up? Because I know you spent some time on the right half wall throughout the season this past year. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to. I want to contribute to the team, however, um, however they see fit. I want to play whatever role they want. They want me to play. Um, yeah, I definitely. I love power play. Take a lot of pride in it. Um, something I definitely focus on watching video and stuff. Just always trying to improve. And if that's a spot that they want me to play next year to help the team win, then I'm definitely up for it. And what were, what were some of like the fun moments that you can take away? Because I know it's, it's a strange year with the COVID and, and not being able to go out as much and do kind of the regular activities. But, you know, you had a great group of guys this past year in Utica. Like, what were some of the fun moments that you guys were able to do together? Yeah, um, obviously stuff was pretty limited during the season, which uh, which kind of sucks because of the group of guys we had and um, a lot of the tight connections that we had. I know we would have had a lot of fun together. But it was pretty limited. Um, I would definitely say our year-end uh, – we had a dinner and stuff. Uh, it was really great. Uh, really great to just kind of spend time with the guys after the season, even though it's kind of sad that uh, be leaving and probably will definitely never play together again. But, uh, yeah, no, it was just a really great group of guys, and I was happy to be a part of it. And coming in as a rookie, it's nice to kind of know somebody else pretty closely. I mean, you played with Jet for a few years in Calgary. Uh, how, how has that kind of helped you guys as you came into the room with a new group of guys and, and being able to know someone like Jet for a few years? Yeah, um, been buddies with Jeff for a long time, so uh, it was definitely great having him in Calgary last year and uh, being able to come over this year. I know we, we kind of drove together like in a convoy on the way here, too. It was a pretty long drive to Utica, so that was great. And then just, uh, yeah, definitely having a familiar face in the in the locker room when you're coming into a room of guys that you don't really know is obviously great, good and kind of keeps you in your comfort zone a bit more, so... Yeah, no, it was good, and Jet's a good buddy of mine. And one of the positions that's really hard to jump into pro hockey is defense, but the other one's center. And, I mean, it felt like you kind of felt, found your own as the season went on, especially in the face-off dot. And, like, how different it was it for you to kind of take face-offs against pros compared to junior players? Like, is that a huge jump in skill just from, you know, what it's like in the face-off dot? I'm sure these guys that have been around for a while have these special tricks that you maybe never seen before. Uh, but for you, like, it felt like right off the bat you were winning a decent amount of face-offs. Like, is that something that you've kind of worked on throughout your career a lot? Yeah, yeah. Um, being a two-way center, I'd say face-offs are a big part of my game and something that I definitely work on. Um, yeah, people always talk about the jump um, in face-off difficulty from junior to pro. Mm. And, yeah, I definitely saw that. There's definitely guys put a lot more emphasis on it uh, and a lot more work. And you really got to gotta be ready when you're going to that circle every single time because it's going to be a battle. Um, yeah, as for other tricks, I definitely saw a couple things this year that I hadn't seen at the junior level. So, yeah, definitely some things to look back on and always be improving on. I gotta think that like some of these veterans gotta get away with some things that, that a lot of people would probably consider cheating in the face-off dot, I'm sure. Just some tricks, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So. <laughs> Absolutely, that's true. And I know uh, you kind of mentioned when we were texting back and forth that you're spending a lot of time golfing in the off-season. Um, are you thinking of maybe trying to get over to BC a little bit earlier and try some of these Whistler courses before training camp starts, or what? Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't give that too much thought. But, yeah, golf is something that I got into last year, actually. Just um, 
being quarantined. It's something I, I really wish I would have got into earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of my my good buddies are good golfers, and there's actually a lot of great golfers on the on the Utica team. Um, I know they started young, so it's kind of, kind of something I regret, but it's good to get into it now. And it's a it's a sport that I really enjoy. Enjoy gets me uh, out of the rink and out of that mindset, and just can kind of enjoy some nature and play some golf with some buddies. Well, if you're just starting golf now, I'm sure your game's probably a lot like your hockey game, just like a lot of shots at this point, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Definitely a lot of things i got to clean up. So what's uh, since you're kind of, I guess, new to the sport of golf, like what's been one part of your game where people are like, no, like for a beginner, you're doing pretty good in this. Like is it your driving, your irons, your putting? Like do you have a strength yet? Um, I'd say I'm pretty average at about everything. I can I can hit a good drive. Um, my miss is definitely a slice, though, and that, that comes into play, and that's – that's kind of a hockey muscle memory thing I've been right. told as well. But, yeah, um, I make decent contact, um, but it's just dialing in the, the lines and stuff. And there's so much to golf that I, I have a lot to learn. And, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely a lifelong sport. But it's good to pick it up. I mean, you're still so young. you got lots of time for it. Um, and I guess, you know, kind of like I mentioned there, you guys are going to be moving from Utica over here to Abbotsford. Um, I mean, the organization's ecstatic about it. The fan base is so excited to be able to watch you guys live here now instead of being across the continent. How exciting is that for you now to, like, I know that you had great support and the Utica fans were amazing. You didn't really get to experience it a ton this year. Uh, but now just knowing that, like, you're going to be just an hour away from Vancouver, you're going to have a lot of Canucks fans in the arena watching you play in Abbotsford. Like, how, how much more excited are you about that next year? Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, yeah, I've definitely... First of all, I've definitely heard about the, the fans in Utica, and it was kind of unfortunate I didn't get to experience that. But mm-hmm. everyone talks about how supportive they are and how crazy they are in the, in the building. But, yeah, moving on to Abbotsford, um, yeah, being a Canadian, I'm super excited to be staying in Canada. Um, BC is a place that every time I'm there, I, I have a good time. It's such a beautiful country. So, um, yeah, I'm super excited, um, being really close to Vancouver and having all the fans being able to come out and watch us is obviously super excited, super exciting. And, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to moving over there and getting started. And what does it mean to kind of have now the NHL team so much closer? Like, is that kind of impact a player like you and your position as kind of like a prospect for the Vancouver Canucks and, you know, going to have to be working your way to try and get to the NHL roster? Does it kind of like feed some motivation to you now that just to know that like the, you know, the bosses and all the teams like from the NHL are going to just be an hour away from you now? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. Um, yeah. First and foremost, my goal is to play in the NHL and um, yeah, I want to do everything I can to get up there and, be an impact player for the Vancouver Canucks someday. So being closer to there is uh, obviously makes things easier. And I think uh, all the Vancouver prospects um, are going to be looking forward to being that much closer. And I want to know, like, how much pride did you take in this year where you guys went through so many problems with COVID and obviously the breaks that you had to go through, but you were able to play in all 28 games for the Comets this past year. Do you take a lot of pride in that, Carson? Um, yeah, I think our team faced, faced a decent amount of adversity. Um with uh, with the virus being shut down for a month, um, when every every other team in our division was still playing, so coming back from that was obviously tough. But yeah, I think yeah, I think I was happy to be able to play in every game. Um, you you never want to be sitting out. You never want to be never want to be injured. So yeah, it was great. And uh, yeah. And and you had the four goals on the season, but like I talked about earlier, like you, it felt like your shots. You were firing a ton of shots and getting a lot of scoring chances. Did did the four goals like feel like not enough? Because for me, watching you, it felt like you should have had more than four. 
Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I definitely, um, definitely want to be creating chances every game. Um, my dad was telling me if you're, you're in trouble, if you're still creating chances. So right. yeah, four goals were great. Um, something I'm trying to work on is not measuring myself on points and stuff, just kind of measuring myself on, on how I'm playing the game. If I'm playing the right way. Um, yeah, I definitely wanted to score more this year, but I think it was a good stepping stone. And I'm just looking forward to the future. And uh, I spoke to Trent Cole a couple weeks ago. He's excited to get over here to Vancouver uh, and get ready with training camp for you guys. And he was on the show about, I guess, six weeks ago now, uh, just kind of as your guys' season was wrapping up. And when he talked about yourself and some of the young guys that came in, you know, he was really impressed with the 20-year-olds that were able to jump into this league. So I'm curious, like, what was it like to have that kind of support from your coach, Trent Cole? Yeah, Trent was great with me from from day one. Um, always took an interest in my development, um, whether that was going over video, just kind of just kind of giving me different points and stuff to work on my game to ultimately move me to the next level, which was a uh, goal that he stressed. That um, yeah, he's he was great the whole year. Um, definitely didn't uh, didn't let me get away with things, which I really appreciated because that'll just ultimately make me a better player. So yeah, I really appreciate the time that he took to. To try to advance my game forward. And then one of the names, like we're going to hear, obviously Canucks fans hear a lot about Trent Cole, but I think one of the names that doesn't get brought up enough, but when I talk to players and prospects like yourself, you know, the name Ryan Johnson always comes up. What were your interactions like with him this year? Yeah, Ryan's, uh, he's an unbelievable guy and he does, he does a lot for all of us. Um, he's definitely a guy I love talking to. He gives me a ton of insights and, um, he was really great with the team this year. Um, I know even the the St. Louis guys were really impressed um, with what he brought to the table and how he conducted himself and how he helped us out. So, yeah, he's a, he's an unbelievable guy, and I I love working with him. And it's going to be interesting, like coming to Abbotsford now, especially with you being your rookie season, having the split squad. I'm sure it was you know it wasn't like a bad thing, of course, but it's definitely like a strange thing for an AHL team. Next year, you guys are going to have a very different looking squad, and it's almost going to be like, you know, a little bit more leadership almost forced onto you as one of the returning players. Uh, is that something that you're kind of excited for? Because I know in, in Calgary, you obviously came in from the trade and kind of instantly became one of the, the leaders and impact players to them. So is that something that you're kind of excited for next year is to be a little bit more of a leader instead of a rookie this year? Yeah, no, I think um, that's always exciting when you get to play a little bit more of a leadership role. Um uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really it's really really great to see all the all the new guys coming in to Abbotsford. Um, it'll be a, definitely a, a very different looking team, but I'm excited to see all the guys again and uh, meet all the new guys and hopefully um, get back to playing hockey really soon. And I think what we're going to get to see a lot more this year is someone like the pregame, uh, just messing around with the puck and little skilled things. Can you let us know, like maybe just give a scouting report on who who kind of shines at practice that maybe we don't really get to see a lot of? Oh, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of skilled guys on the team last year. Um, I don't know if we're talking if we're talking Vancouver guys. I think I think everyone does their good does their stuff right. You know, everyone's pretty dialed in for practice. Uh, Jonah works on a lot of a lot of stuff in front of the nets, and that's that's why that's why he's as good as he was. You know, he practices all that stuff in practice. Um, Will is obviously a great skater; he works on that a lot. Um, all the guys kind of bring their different attributes, and they're really good at what they do. And it starts in practice for all of us. So, yeah, I would say I'd say everyone brings a, a mix of stuff. 
And I think what a lot of folks from Abbotsford that maybe didn't get to watch the Utica Comets play this past year um, are going to be kind of surprised by a guy from Lucas Yasik, who really just seems to kind of do it all. Uh, and he's been doing it for a couple of years now in the AHL. What what type of player do you think he's going to be next year for this team as another guy who, you know, is still pretty young, but seems like he's going to be one of the leaders of this group? Yeah, yeah. Jazzy had a great season. Um, he's definitely an impact player for us, plays the leadership role. Um, been, been in the year a couple in the league a couple of years. Um, he definitely brings that skill and smarts. Um, he's great on the power play and he's great, uh, in all zones. He PKs for us as well. So he kind of does it all. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be a big impact player for us next year. And, uh, last player I kind of want to ask about is, is a guy we've talked about a little bit earlier, but Jet Wu, uh, I was not surprised to see him get very physical in the first couple games, uh, even just sticking up for teammates and everything. And you've played with him now, like for a couple of years, like how is, how important is it for him to be able to be physical and have that confidence? Because, you know, making that jump to pro hockey, I think a lot of junior guys, I don't want to say would be scared, but would just be, you know, not quite as confident as they were to kind of be physical and stick up for players. But for Jet, like it felt like he hopped right in and he was ready to be the guy to stick up for his teammates. Uh, how important was that for him to, to establish that physicality early on? Yeah, yeah. Jet, he plays a really physical game and he's not going to shy away from, from anyone on the ice, so... That, that was big for us. Um, yeah, he came in right away, and he was physical. He was playing his game, so that's obviously great to say, great to see, and it helps the team. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't expect anything less. He, he never shies away from a fight. And uh, now that you're in your off season, I know you're getting some golf in, but for just kind of skills development, what's kind of the one or two things that you really want to kind of key in on this off season? Yeah, there's a lot of different things um, that I want to work on on ice and off ice. Um, First and foremost, I think it's just improving my skating. Um, I think it's it is one of my strengths, but to play at the next level, you have to be that much better. So I think skating and explosiveness is probably number one for me this off season. And then uh, just overall strength, just um, playing against men, you gotta be that much stronger, that much quicker. So I think it's kind of a mix of things. Um, definitely working on a lot of. A lot of shots, too. Just being able to get releases off quicker and stuff will be big. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a mix of things for me this offseason just to, to overall better, better my game. Well, it sounds like you're going to come back as an offensive player next year, which is exciting for a lot of Abbotsford fans uh, or potentially even Canucks fans if you can make that push, too. Uh, I guess something I kind of missed on there that I, I want to just circle back on was there's a lot of rumors right now about the Sedin Twins potentially coming in and being really involved with the AHL team. Um, I'm sure you, you obviously know a lot about the Sedin Twins and what kind of players they were. How cool would it be to be around those guys kind of on a daily basis if they are involved with the AHL team? Yeah, that would be that would be super cool. Obviously, they're, they're legends uh, in, the, in the Vancouver Canucks uh, fans and community, and they, they do so much. They did so much in their careers. Um, it would definitely be, be great to be around guys like that. Uh, they definitely would bring in a lot of knowledge, and it'd be cool to kind of pick their brains and just even see them around on a daily basis. And awesome. do you think that you would be a better player or a worse player if you had a twin brother playing on your wing that was exactly the same as you? <laughs> I'm not too sure. I, I don't have a brother, only have a sister. But, uh, yeah, that would definitely be cool, and that's something not a lot of guys get to experience. So, yeah, that would, that would definitely be really cool. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll wrap things up there, Carson. Appreciate you taking some time, uh, and it's going to be you know a lot of fun to see you at training camp. Hopefully, you have a good off season of working out uh, and preparing your skills for uh, whatever's going to come next year. So, Vancouver Canucks fans, Abbotsford fans, we're all going to be excited to see what you can do next year. Hey, thanks so much. Um, thanks for having me on. 
And a big thank you to Carson Folk for joining us there and as well as our sponsors to appreciate them and appreciate y'all going out there and supporting them. I seen uh, Terry Guest. He's got a six pack of parallels because we trying the Trash Panda for the first time. A classic parallel 4.9 beer. Shout out Terry. Beautiful. Uh, Patreon supporter as well. Appreciate his support. Um, a little bit more things to dive into here, Quads, about what you kind of mentioned before the break. And Which that's, was a long time ago. People listened to that whole interview. <laughs> I realize now that there was a lot, uh, lot to be desired well, there because it took us 25 minutes to get back here. When you plant a seed, it takes a while for the plant to grow. Exactly. So we're at the point now where it's just sprouting a little bit. So now let's talk about it. I'll just come out and say this. I want, I want to hear your opinion since you want to bring it up. I hate the idea of moving to the ninth pick. Yes. Okay, perfect. Then you go off here. Why do you hate it so much? I hate it so much because not only do the Canucks not have a lot of prospects, but when you're entering your competitive window, and let's be clear here, the Canucks are entering their competitive window, and it's going to shut before they maybe even get inside of it. We'll see uh, We'll see what happens because missing the playoffs when you have Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen on ELCs is not a promising sign. So... When you have a competitive team, which the Canucks are hoping to next year, they for sure will in two years. Well, they think they for sure will in two years. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. I think it's safe safe to say that. Safe to say the team's a lot better in two years. Absolutely. But when you have that, you still need guys coming in and making impacts. Like, look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Look at the Colorado Avalanche. You need to still continue to draft well. Like, look, the Avalanche took Byram and Newhook last year. Like, that was a year ago. Neither of those guys are playing in their playoff lineup right now. But guess what? They're going to be there when the Avalanche are still in the playoffs in three years. That's what you need to do when you're a competitive team. You need to continue to draft well. I think the Canucks can do it, but they can't do it if they're trading picks every year. I don't think this is the year to move that pick. I think they need to draft extremely well this year. I'm open to listening to the idea of moving a pick next year, but... Look, we, we've seen what happens when you move your first and your second round pick. You don't have to look far. That was last year. The Canucks thought their competitive window was there. You know, we can get into it. Flat cap, everything went against them. And all of a sudden, here we are, seventh place in the North Division. Now, next year is maybe a year where the Canucks can afford to do that. But I think even then, we'd have to evaluate how this season went, how everything looks. What I do know is that a team that just finished 7th place in the North Division and has to pay their two best players significant pay raises should not be looking to move their first-round pick. Now, that being said, I really do like Seth Jones. And I I know a lot of people don't like him because they don't watch the games and just look at the numbers, but man, I'm sorry, have you watched Seth Jones play? Because he's still good. He's still a good defenseman. And look, I know he's going to get a huge pay raise, but... I don't love Seth Jones. I don't know if I said I loved him two minutes ago, but I think, I, I, think I said I liked him. I like Seth Jones. I like him more than most people. Like a lot of people are acting like he's just going to be Tyler Myers, and it's just he's not. He, that's not going to be the case. Like not only do I think Seth Jones is going to bounce back in a big way, like his underlying data and all that is going to look amazing next year, no matter where it is. I like I, I think Seth Jones is going to prove himself as one of the best defensemen in the league. And there's still years for that. Like, I, I don't think Seth Jones is on the decline at all, even though his past two years would suggest otherwise. I don't I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he was on a bad Columbus team this year, uh, and that really showed a lot of flaws. But I think, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be good again. I think he's a good defenseman, and I don't know when people decided that he was bad. 
Yeah, a lot of analytics uh, made people decide he was bad. I agree with you. I think that he's a good player. He's a good defenseman. I think he's one of the top 25 in the league. Yeah, I think that's conservatively saying it as well. Um, And I think that type of player, if you have two top 25 defensemen playing with each other in him and Quinn Hughes, you got a heck of a pairing right there. And to to play devil's advocate here, because I'm not really in the camp of even exploring the idea that much. Uh, just because of what the money he's going to cost. Yeah. Unless the Canucks were able to get out of Tyler Myers or Nate Schmidt's contract, I don't think that this is a deal that works. And yeah. I think that Benning has set them up into a spot where they can't. Uh, to hear that Benning wants to, you know, some people are like some of the sources that we've heard from saying that Benning wants to protect Tyler Myers in this expansion draft. That's strange to me. I think that that's an interesting, I would be exposing Tyler Myers and hoping that they pick him. Right, like that to me makes a lot more sense, and then that clears up money. But you have money coming off the books to make a Seth Jones contract work. Louis Erickson's six million dollars comes off plus the recapture from Roberto Luongo after next season. There's you know there's more money than you need to sign Seth Jones, right? Like I, I'm guessing he comes in at seven something. I think his contract starts with a seven, and it might be years at seven as well. But that's a big investment. That's a really big that investment. Is, yeah. And it feels like the Canucks have made enough investments on defensemen going into their 30s that they can't go this way with Seth Jones. Yeah, you're probably right. Unfortunately, he's the better option than a Tyler Myers moving forward. He's a better option than an H moving forward. But they've handcuffed themselves to me where you can't take another risk on a defenseman like that. Yeah, unless you, unless you're moving Schmidt back the other way. Yes, I mean... Didn't that, have a great first year and, you know, was very good in Vegas. And, you know, the Canucks are probably going to have to attach something to that. But do you... What's Honestly, his value though? Is there is there a lot of exactly. surplus value from Schmidt? That that's what I was gonna say. Like, I mean, I would think so, but I think there that is contract somebody. also is something to kind of keep an eye on. That I think GMs might be pushed off by a little bit. But mm. like, I'm sorry if if Columbus offers you Seth Jones for Nate Schmidt and a second round pick this year's second, I think you take it. Oh yeah, you run with that. Yeah. Okay, now, now what if it's a first? What, what if it's a first? I still don't think that's enough to get Seth Jones. Really? Then I, I yeah. say don't get Seth Jones. I, don't, I like Seth Jones. I don't like Seth Jones that much. I think that you're looking at some sort of value that's a little bit less than Jack Rathbone into that as well. I think yeah. Jack Rathbone gets it done. I think a first Rathbone and Schmidt gets it done, but I don't think that's a good I, move for the Canucks. I don't think that's a good move for but the But I think I'm wondering, like, what's the next level of prospect? Does Nate Schmidt, a first-round pick... And Cole Lynn get it done? If it does, you take it. I don't think it does. I think that's an interesting one to explore. But to me, I still don't think that, like, if you're moving Schmidt on that deal, I think you're looking into it, and I think it's possible. But I really don't know. Like, I I don't want to say that Nate Schmidt's a negative value player right now in the trade market, because I don't think he is. It's just not as high as it was. It's not, like... I used to, like, when the Canucks traded him for a third-round pick, it was like, wow, great move for the Canucks. I think a lot of us are very excited. And it's only been a year. It's not like he's getting old and is. And he hasn't played off. extremely poorly. Like no. he was fine this year. He's one of their better defensemen. But right? when we said that it was a steal for a third round pick on this show in this studio last year, we meant it at the time, right? I don't yes. think it's changed overall that much. I still think he's got value, but I I struggle to to believe that he's got like a value of a second round pick right now. Yeah, And it's weird because I think like my brain's really on two sides on this because I do think that he has value. But the other part of my brain is like, are you sure? Like, are you sure that Nate Schmidt's worth the second round pick right now in the trade market? Because I, I can't really confirm that. 
Like, I, I can't think that that's true, but I don't think that that should just be from one season where he didn't find a good fit with the Canucks, who were the worst team in the North Division, and you know, were shellacked on a consistent basis at the start of the season and then had to go through what they went through with COVID as well. I think that there's a lot more to Schmidt's game and that I wonder if his value can go up even like in the mid part of this season. Yeah. I, yeah. You know what? Another guy that I kind of thought about that scenario in my head with that you might not lose him in the off season, but if you can flip him at the deadline, it's a good it, it's a good move, and that's Braden Holpe. Mm. If Braden Holpe, who started to trend in the right direction toward the end of this season, was starting to get, you know, starting to fit into that mold that Ian Clark wants, and was starting to figure it out for himself. If you can get some value out of that, and you can trade him for a pick, promote Mikey DiPietro, you're looking at a similar situation when the Canucks yeah. flipped Anders Nielsen, right? The like, timeline really lines up nice. Exactly. I think Mikey's ready by the trade deadline next I, year. I think so too. And I think that you are right. And I think, you know, I'll admit it. I know you didn't listen to the draft episode. A lot of people did. It's our top. It's our fourth most listened to episode. I can't because uh, it would contribute to the numbers of episodes that I'm not on. <laughs> yeah, I texted you the other day. I'll, I'll, well, I'm going to save it for a tweet. I'm rattled. I'm going to save it for a tweet. But I did listen to the Kevin Woodley interview that you had with him on the show last week, and you know something that he brought up was how important the practice time is for Ian Clark and his goaltenders. And we saw this year there just wasn't the practice time. So I wonder what's going to happen with a plan now given to Holtby to work with the offseason. Because he didn't have a full offseason last year to get the plan for me and Clark, for me and Clark to see how he works, to see what he's like in practice, see what he's like on the ice. Now I think he has that plan. I think he comes in as a different goalie next year that improves in a lot of different things that Clark wants to see. But at the same time, with DiPietro having a full year of being with Ian Clark, getting that practice time that Holtby didn't get, having so much ice time with Ian Clark, I think DiPietro is going to be very ready to at least push for the NHL by the trade deadline. And to see what he's going to do in Abbotsford is going to be a big step in the right direction. If he ha- if he's off to a good start, and if the Canucks are comfortable with CeeLo's being the starter moving forward, like that's why this goalie pipeline, like it's moving. It's moving quick for the Canucks right now. Got to get another one in there. Even just looking at it like from how, how different the Canucks goaltending group has changed in 18 months from Thatcher Demko becoming the for sure number one. Now Mikey DiPietro for sure being the number one in the AHL, potentially being ready for a backup by, like we said, at the trade deadline, and then having Silos come in and be ready for the starter in the AHL. It's a lot of wheels turning in the right direction for the Vancouver Canucks of that pipeline, and it's in a very short amount of time to see what's happening to the goaltending. That's, this is all in about, like, like I said, 18 months. They've really moved forward with the goaltending group, so it's going to be interesting to see for sure. But no more goalie talk, quads. I don't know why you do this to me all the damn time. We end up freaking going down these roads. And then, <laughs> what were we even talking about? We are talking about Seth Jones, now we're into the goalies? Yes. This is ridiculous. Ha ha, yes. <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> all right, let's do a prospects report, and then we'll get out of here. Um, it's been a good episode so far. Um, Victor Parson talked to him earlier this week, put out the article as well on Canucks Army that dropped on Friday really wants to come to the WHL really wants to come play in the WHL and prove his own in North American hockey. And like I kind of said earlier in the episode after that year kind of wants to stay, wants to stay in North America and prove his own in the AHL. But if the Canucks don't want to offer him a professional school, uh, professional uh, contract, no scholarships, if they ended up giving him a professional contract for the AHL, that's where he wants to be. If not said, he's very comfortable going back to the SHL. And from speaking to some people around the SHL, I've heard that, they were really surprised that Pearson wasn't giving more of a shot to play with Brinus, and, and they weren't able to get him ice time. He played 80 seconds this year. 
Uh, he's like he was with the team for a good at least third of the season. He played 80 seconds of ice time. Was a health was on the ice, not a healthy scratch. Like he was the seventh defenseman because you're allowed the extra defenseman in the SHL, but only got 80 seconds. And a lot of people that I talked to around the Swedish Hockey League were wild, were like kind of surprised by that. So that's that's good news for Pearson uh, that he's going to come over to Kamloops, play on a stacked Kamloops Blazers team. Uh, Matt's Lindgren, former Canuck. His son is another defenseman on that team. He might be playing alongside him, a couple Swedish boys together. I guess uh, that would be exciting for Canucks fans. And just for everyone in BC, Canucks fans around BC getting a chance to potentially see Victor Pearson play, I think he comes into the WHL and is a dominant force. I, I think there's a lot of things to like in his offensive game. Skates well, big dude, throws the body. There's a, there's a lot to like about Victor Pearson. So I'm excited to see what he does with Kamloops. And... Um, Dmitry Zlodiev as well. Talked to him. Got some interesting quotes from him about this big year coming up. And I think I've talked about it in some past episodes. But he's, I think he's really going to hit the radar of a lot of Canucks fans uh, at the World Juniors. I think that's going to be when we start to hear about him. And if he's getting KHL games before that, there's going to be a lot of even more excitement about Zlodiev. Because he's a guy who wants to come to North America. Wants to play in the AHL. Told me like the other day when I was talking to him that his dream was to play in North America and play hockey, and the AHL is the route that he thinks he's going to have to take to get there. I don't think he's a guy who comes right into the NHL like a Vasily Colson does. So you know, to have that idea, to think that Zlodiev can maybe come into Abbotsford in the next two to three years, he's still a teenager. He's going to play in this year's World Juniors. He's going to go back to the KHL, probably do another year after that. But him coming over as a center with with good I guess experience from playing in one of the best professional leagues, potentially the KHL, like not a lot of people in North America like to hear this, but the KHL might be better than the AHL for skill. I think it's, that's a very that's an argument I'm willing to hear from be, from watching both a lot this past couple of years. I, I do think the KHL might be a better league than the AHL, and if Zlodiev is able to have success in the KHL, I don't doubt that he's going to have any in the AHL as well. So we'll we'll see what goes on with that. Still a lot of prospect news to come out. I'm wondering what we're going to start to hear about guys coming to Abbotsford. But that's kind of all I've got for this week uh, on the prospect report. Been a good episode, quads. I'm ready uh, for this weekend coming up. It's um, it's my one year anniversary with uh, with my girlfriend. So we're Congrats. going to uh, we got like a 15th floor hotel in North Van, facing out on the ocean, kind of like a staycation, get away from everything kind of day. Beautiful. Very excited for that on Saturday, and it's kind of crazy. I think that it, uh, it's already one year. I remember, uh, I remember when you guys went on your first date and you were telling me about it. Yeah, right before the pandemic hit. Right before, then, you yes. know, we, we had to wait. We went on three dates, then weren't able to see each other for yeah. four months. Yeah, that was... But uh, we're at the point now, one year. So uh, I'm very excited uh, for that. It's going to be a nice little uh, weekend getaway. Unfortunately, I'm in the 650 studio uh, Saturday <laughs> morning to, to work there first before I get on the weekend and uh, also there Sunday morning for some Blue Jays, but... I, I, I like we'll close out with this, but I really like working the Blue Jays games. You can do a little baseball talk here, but I get to watch, you know, work at 650 and, and broadcast the Blue Jays games out. So I get to just sit there and watch the Blue Jays games, you know, press, press a button when we go to commercial, press a button when we come back and just chilling and watch some Blue Jays game. Is Manoa starting this weekend? Cause I got two Blue Jays games this weekend. Uh, I think he it, it was Wednesday. Start, it was a start, right? Yeah. I think he starts on Sunday or Monday. Uh, I hope it's Sunday. I'd love to watch. I didn't get to see him on Wednesday. A pretty rough second outing. 
Yeah, I think ah. I think he had five earned runs through yeah. three innings. I want his check, mom in the attendance again. His mom was in the attendance. It was so funny. Buck Martinez was like, I don't know how she gets through these starts because, <laughs> like, you know, every pitch it's like a roller coaster for her, right? It was so just, she's got to be on an interview pretty soon. Then on the broadcast, they have to. Yes, like she is. She is a a show in her own. Yeah, Manoa's not starting this weekend. He, ah. Okay, so they won this game, but he went three point one innings. Four earned runs, five strikeouts, so not that bad. They walked it off. That's right. Yeah, and then they they came back. They used Piamps, Mesa, Thornton, Edwards, and then yeah, they That's a very surprising off. bullpen win for the Toronto Blue Jays. It, absolutely, their bullpen's been okay. It was so good at the start of the year, yep. and then it was just so hit or miss. Like Merriweather went down, and that really hurt. Wasn't there a point at the start of the year where they had like it was a good amount of innings they'd, without a run? Yeah, they had the lowest DRA of right. any bullpen. In the American League or the MLB, I'm not sure which one, but yeah, it was yeah, it's been a good year for them. All right, well, we'll we'll get out of here on that note. Uh, good way to close out a Canucks podcast is talking about the Blue Jays. Five so, games back, <laughs> we will wrap it up there for my co-host David Quadrelli. My name is Chris Faber, and thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Canucks Conversation. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.